0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the May 3rd, 2015 edition of the Habs360 podcast. I'm Chris G at Chris G1980. Thank you for joining us on a special Sunday live broadcast of the Habs360 podcast. Really do appreciate it. And well, we won't be like that boxing match that happened last night where we waited, we waited for this big event, and it was a disappointment. I can guarantee you that today's episode of the Habs 360 podcast, well, you definitely won't be uh, disappointed. It is game day, game number two in a series between the Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning in a couple of hours. And we're going to talk about that coming up in the next 60 minutes. My co-host for the day, he's back. His uh, Twitter handle is all underscore Habs. Editor-in-Chief and owner of the All Habs Network of Sites. Welcome back, Rick. Thanks for inviting me back, Chris. Uh,
2: good to be here, uh, particularly on a pregame Sunday as we get ready for uh, an early 6 o'clock start tonight.
1: Exactly. So mark that special time on your calendars. And joining us as well, it will be in about uh, 15 minutes' time, Montreal, TSN Montreal's bureau reporter John Liu will join us as well to talk to Montreal Canadiens and Tampa Bay Lightning, and then in the third segment, we will be joined by Brian from the AllHabs.net team, and we're gonna have a virtual roundtable as well during this game between the Montreal Canadi- uh, the series between the Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you go to AllHabs.net, Brian he predicted that Tampa Bay would win in 6. That was prediction before the start of the series and well we're going to find out in our last segment if he changed his mind or not and hopefully he he did. The coach announced this morning it was an optional practice that there will be no lineup changes for game number 2. But before we talk about that let's talk about because since last week, in our know, last episode, it was the, the series between the Canadians and the Senators wasn't over yet. The Canadians were up 3 to 2. They had lost the last two games against the Senators, and it looked like the Senators were making a push back to make this into a series. And well, let's hear how this ended. Shot! Three off this line! MacArthur
3: trying to get it back in front. Final seconds, took
1: So that was Max Pacioretty, who sealed the game, game number six, with an empty net goal to give the Canadians a 2-0 victory over the Ottawa Senators and the Canadians a 4-2 series win. The, the first goal, the game-winning goal, was scored by Brendan Gallagher, which was his first of the postseason. Canadian job manager Mark Bergevin spoke to the media this week and gave us his thoughts on the first-round series.
4: What stood out for me is we beat the team that since February 18 was 23-3-3, and I believe. So if you think about it, it was the hottest team coming in the playoffs. And based on those six games, they played very well. We beat a very good hockey team, a team that even when you were up 3-0, you, you know, the way they fought back all year, they were not dead, and they showed that in game six. So... Uh, I think it shows that we, we took a lot of character from our team to, to beat, to me, the hottest team in the league coming in. And I'm not sure, and I guess I, I don't have that conversation with other GM, but uh, I'm sure a lot of teams were, didn't want to play a hot in the first round. And uh, I think our team played very well. Uh, I think you could see through those six games that at a different time, guys, some different players stood up and took the lead. Uh, if you say game one, you can, you know, uh, Flinner and uh, Mitchie play very well, um, you know, with PK being gone, other guys taking ice time. Game six, you know, Carey stole the game. Uh, have we seen game three? So I think that's what I like, the depth on our team throughout that series. You know, that's what we're able to, to beat, uh, a very good hockey team.
1: And Rick, I think Mark Brejven was right towards the end of his uh, the clip that we just heard that, well, Canadians for the game six victory, need to thank the goaltender Carey Price.
2: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It was a series where there um as he said, uh the it was it was the unsung heroes that stepped up and, and were able to uh score a timely goal. Uh the you know what he didn't say, the, the omission there is uh that that uh the top six did not show up in, in round one and that left um the the bulk of the, the load uh, to carry price to, to carry um he did uh he he as mark bergervan said he stole the game in grade in game six um but if you look game game in game out uh other than the, the the game where uh, uh, he gave up five goals, he was the better goaltender. There was a lot of talk coming in about Andrew Hammond. Uh, when Hammond went out, then um, you know there was there was uh, a lot of talk about Anderson, and um, it seemed that that Carey Price didn't quite get the the uh, press that he he deserved in the in the first round. Uh, I thought he was was uh, terrific um, most games, and um, it's just that it's not only the the, the saves that he's making; it's just the calming effect, particularly when um, you know his team wasn't wasn't producing on offense um, to be able to keep them in it, to keep them in it, and play that that very patient game. Uh, you can't play uh, Michelle Tarian's patient game, the read and react game, unless you have a superb goaltender uh,
1: that that you know is not going to give up that goal. And with 43 saves in the game number six, that was the most saves for a shutout uh, in the playoffs by Montreal goaltender since uh, Ken Dryden did in uh, 1970. I can't decide my handwriting. I think it goes, it could 75 or her 77. Uh, the leading scorers for the Canadians after round one, uh, a couple of surprising names like Mick, like uh, Rick mentioned. Okay, Subban at first place with four points, not a surprise. Thomas Pleikonitz then with three points, not a surprise. But then we see Tory Mitchell and Brian Flynn with, uh, with three points. And when you see those two names up there as your top four uh, point getters in the series, well it's uh, material to definitely scratch your heads. On the other side, it was the Canadians who didn't know who their opponent would be. The series between Tampa Bay Lightning and the Detroit Red Wings went to a game number seven with the Detroit Red Wings coming up with uh, the two last wins in that series to take the series into seven games and to go on and beat the Detroit Red Wings and head over to the Bell Centre to face the Montreal Canadiens. Game number one was on Friday night. And well, we know all the context around this series. There's a storyline where the Canadiens swept the Tampa Bay Lightning last year in four games. And while the Lightning was looking for revenge. And then this season, during the regular season, all five matchups they were all won by the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So... You could spin around any way that you'd like, but it seems everything was planned in a direction that the top of the lightning are going to come out victorious in the series. And, well, let's hear how a game one turned out.
2: And my guess would be why you don't see Markov and Sudan together. Subban will have the green light to go
3: off.
1: There's
4: Pacioretty with his shot!
1: And that was Max Pacioretty, who scored his thir- third goal of the post-series to give uh, the only goal scored by the Montreal Canadiens. And if you haven't seen it, it's a soft goal that was allowed by Ben Bishop, a puck that went right on his glove, couldn't hold on to it, trickled in. And while the game ended up going in double overtime, but the Tampa Bay Lightning did come up with a 2-1 victory. And while there were some controversial plays in the overtime, but let's hear some post-game comments from P.K. Subban, Carey Price, Dale leese, Max Pacioretty, and then from uh, Michelle Terry.
4: This is probably one of the best games
2: we've played all year. I thought we did a good job, I mean, you know, moving the puck out of our zone, defending, I thought we limited their opportunities to carry the puck through the neutral zone with speed. I thought we played a pretty solid game tonight. Deserved a better fate, and uh, you know we'll just have to move on from here. We did a good job, um, you know, for, throughout the whole game. If you can keep a team like that to you know one two goals, we're gonna have a good chance to win every game. So, uh know, our goal goaltending was great, and we had enough chances to win the game.
3: We thought we had energy in this room uh, going into the, the second overtime. We felt good about ourselves. Um, we thought we did a good job of wearing down their defensemen, but you know. This game is won by uh you know, in overtime like that a bounce here and there. And all we can worry about is uh you know, getting ready for next game.
5: It's really frustrating about uh losing a game on an off site. Those things not supposed to happen. I thought our players uh our team and um got a great effort tonight. I can't ask for a better effort. Uh, but to lose a game because an offside, it's not like a penalty. A penalty, it's always a judgment call, so you can always question the judgment. And there's nothing you can do. But an offside, it's black or white, and it scores clearly an offside, end up losing the game.
1: All right. Before we talk about uh, the, the coaches' comments that we just heard, I agree with what we heard from the players. Who felt good after game number one, where I did think they they did put a good performance. Uh, I would probably say it's the best one that they've had this year against the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's it's not a game where the Canadians would I think have to go back blow everything up and start a game plan all over. I think they had a good game plan in uh, in facing the uh, the Tampa the Tampa Bay Lightning for for game number one and Rick uh, do you agree with the players do you think even though the Canadians lost two one that they did play the game well the, the
2: the whole game was was very entertaining one of the best we've seen in the playoffs but I think in particular that first thirteen minutes uh, was was indeed the best the Canadians have played in the playoffs they came out really strong. As, as, uh, Max Pacioretty said, uh, you know, the theme was to, to, uh, wear down the defense, the Tampa Bay defense, uh, in the first 13 minutes of the game, they had, uh, six shots on goal. Uh, they hit two goal posts and they had 18 hits, um, which is, which is very, uh, uncharacteristic of, of the Canadians. Um, and, and it was up until the point where Ryan Boyle took a penalty and the Canadians went on the, the the so-called power play that um that the they had the momentum and the momentum changed at that point but um you know overall in the game the the Canadians uh, outshot the Lightning they outhit the Lightning and they were dominant in the face off circle they they played uh very well they you know, um they, they pressured uh and and uh out muscled the the um uh lightning throughout and really everything was setting up for them uh, going into uh the overtime, particularly going into a second overtime, uh with the Canadians having had that that long uh, uh four day not rest but preparation time uh and to to let the the bumps and bruises heal a bit, whereas uh Tampa Bay had just come off a, a tough seven game series with detroit, and um you know the deeper it went into overtime uh the tougher it got for them and and they were they were fortunate um on that call that uh Michelle Terrian
1: spoke to the offside um that they were able to end the game and I think it was really parted that the Canadians uh, started off strong in game number one. Considering the fact that uh, Tampa Bay Lightning virtually had no rest in between their series between the Detroit Red Wings and the series against the Montreal Canadiens, where the Canadians on their end, well, they hadn't played a game since the Sunday. So they had uh, four days in, uh, in between games, make it five. So I think it was really important for the Canadians to come out strong and do exactly the things that you mentioned that they did to uh, to start up the game because if they wouldn't, I think the whole momentum of the game and the series could have gone into uh, into the opposite direction. And if we go to the comments that uh, the coach made about an a missed offside call, but also earlier in the uh, in the overtime there was a goal that was scored by Tampa Bay Lightning which was disallowed. By the uh, by the officials, because they they ruled that carry Price was interfered with and wasn't able to put himself in the position to uh, to make the save. And well, some of you might think that I might be a little bit biased here, but I think it was a good call by the officials on uh, on the no go call in overtime. And when it comes to um, to the offsides that was missed, it is a shame. And there's also one more appreciating call that I think didn't get a lot of attention. And it was in the first period where there was a quick whistle blown where Andrei Markov had uh, the opportunity in front of the net, a wide open net in front of uh, Ben Bishop, who could have potentially put that puck in, but the play was blown dead. And I'm surprised that wasn't ever... um, brought up in any of the post-game comments by the coach, especially considering what happened after at that, um, at that point. And Rick, I always find it a shame when officiating gets involved and has an impact on the game.
2: You're right. It's, it's never good when we're talking about officiating after the game. Uh, they, you know, they're best when they're invisible and, um, there were there were a couple of major calls you're you're I, I don't think you're being biased at all when you say that uh it was the right call uh in the first overtime period uh Kucherov clearly pushed Kerry price back into well had his stick on on price's pad and pushed him into the back of the net um even uh in his post game presser uh, tampa bay coach john cooper uh said he he had no problem with the call. Um, um he said it it's when he looked at the play, he saw that price was pushed uh um into the net and wasn't allowed to make the second save so he says it's probably the right call. Uh, the and and as um Michelle Terrian said, um you know, where where that's a judgment call, that that being pushed into the back of the net, that's a judgment call. Um, you know, a lot of Ottawa fans were comparing it to round one where there was the quick whistle um, when it dropped from Price's pad. But that, again, is a judgment call. A As as Michelle Terrien said, the offside is black and white. Um, I don't know where the linesman was, but if you look back at the footage, he's nowhere to be found. And Philpolo was clearly a step or two, probably two offside before... Brian Boyle um, entered the zone, and yes, the Canadians had opportunities, Greg Patterson to to clear the puck, um, but he wouldn't have been under pressure had that been an offside or a delayed offside. Um, and he would have been able to clear the puck. So I understand why the team and why Terrian in particular spoke about it in the postgame and was so frustrated by the,
1: by the obvious offside call. And when it comes to John Cooper's comments, uh, I think if the game would have went the other way around, where the Canadians would have gone on to win, I would think the the tune of his song would have been uh, exactly the same. But obviously, we'll we'll uh, we'll never find out uh, what happens with that. Okay, so our question of the day, I would like for you, our listeners and our followers on Twitter, to reply. You can do it via our Twitter account at tabs360. Well, the Canadians have scored six goals in the last five games that they've played in the postseason. So if you were the coach of the Montreal Canadiens, what would you do to help to generate offense? Because while the Canadians definitely do need to score some more goals, I don't know how many one nothing games or 2-1 games uh, you can realistically uh, put the faith on Carey Price. He could deliver it, but I think there's a certain limit where his teammates definitely do need to, uh, to help out. Hab360 is our Twitter account. We're going to take a break. On the other side, we'll be joined by uh, with uh, John Liu, TSN Montreal Bureau reporter. And, well, we're going to get his thoughts so far on the Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning Series. This is the Hab360 Podcast, featured on allhabs.net. Want
0: the latest Habs news? With game reviews, reviews, and highlights? Tell about full coverage of development camps and special events. Looking to follow the Hamilton Bulldogs more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got everything you're looking for at The place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected hat fan around. AllHats.net. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entry, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net,
1: All right, welcome back. I'm Chris G at ChrisG1980, along with uh, Rick Stevens at uh, All underscore HABs. This is the HABs 360 podcast. We're leading up to game number three uh, sorry, game number two between the Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning. That game gets underway. Special start time, 6 p.m. at the Bell Center tonight. And helping us now to preview that game is a TSN Montreal Bureau reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at TSN. MTL. John, thank you for joining us.
3: Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Chris.
1: No problem. So, John, uh, before the series, even before the playoffs started, there was a lot of uh, negativity, I would say, around the Canadians facing the Tampa Bay Lightning, because it's either the Lightning wanted revenge for the sweep from last season, or it was because the Tampa Bay Lightning uh had won all five games against the Canadians in the in the regular season. Uh did you think uh, those were fair concerns by the Montreal Canadiens fan base?
6: Uh yeah, you you can
1: understand why
3: there would be uh angst, why there'd be concern, uh simply because uh I mean when you when you get dominated by a team in the regular season that that, that just casts a negative pall and it um uh they they're, they're basically uh when it's spread out over that length of time like from october to march especially when there was a couple of games late in the season then it really does set an ominous tone heading into the uh the most important time of the season because you want uh, you want a team to be peaking uh in uh you know in the latter half of uh of february and into march just as they're approaching april and certainly the canadians didn't uh they didn't have a good march they didn't look good against the tampa bay lightning for the better part of the season uh, there were only a couple of games that I can think of off the top of my hand against them uh, during the season series that um, that the Canadians uh, looked like they matched up uh, with some degree of, uh, of, uh, of competitiveness. But if you were to take a look at the season series against the Ottawa Senators, well, the Canadians didn't look particularly good against them either, and certainly the uh, Senators wanted to try to play with a physical edge uh, to try to, uh, you know, just basically assert uh, a certain type of um, of, of advantage over the Canadians, and so there was concern um, from segments of the fan base uh, over that matchup, but we saw what the result was, and granted yes, Kerry Price certainly was the difference maker in Game 6, but uh, but the fact is, uh, uh, you know, the Canadians came through that series, uh, and now they're facing a team that I think uh, actually matches up, they match up better against the Lightning than they do against the Ottawa Senators, and so uh, in that regard certainly uh the Canadians certainly don't have any concern within the rooms, at least what they're uh vocalizing to uh to the media with respect to uh how they match up against the lightning, um, or even the aspect of uh of their, their lack of goal scoring punch, um simply because if you take a look at the uh, last game as a whole, uh the pace was much uh the pace was, was better than it was against the Senators. It was less physical. Uh, the Senators, especially their defensive core, they're big and they're fast, but they're certainly not as punishing or as physical as Ottawa's defensive core as a whole. So um, yeah, uh, certainly, yeah, you got to score more than once uh, to get any sort of degree of success in the playoffs. Uh, but uh, having said that, the Canadians had more scoring chances. They uh, they did better in the Corsi uh, figures. They won almost two-thirds of the draws against uh, against the Lightning in Game 1. And uh, hit a couple of posts. So uh yeah, there was a, there was a lot to be said on the plus side for the Canadians. It just uh, they just happened to uh, come out at the wrong end of the register on the scoreboard, that's all.
1: And the Tampa Bay Lightning they have a couple well, they have some offensive weapons on their first two lines. Uh there's uh Stamkos on one of their lines. There's they have a line of Pallet, Johnson and Kucherov who is also who are also very dangerous offensively. Uh how do you think what do you think the Canadians can do to prevent these guys from doing too much damage in this uh, series?
3: Well, what they were saying since uh, uh, the, in the days leading up to the series is that they want to try to um, make those lines that you mentioned, the Stamkos line and the Johnson line, play in their own end as much as possible. Like just, just don't give them the opportunity to try to uh, to, to to generate offense. And so, to that end, uh, you know, I mean, hey, it's boring, but that's the Canadian system—is the old chip and chase. Like try to. Try to get containment in the offensive zone. Try to uh, ensure that uh, when uh, when when they are facing up against those lines, that uh, if the Canadians, whichever line they have on the ice, is able to uh, to, to to generate more offensive zone time and not allow the Stamkos and Johnson lines to break out and get uh, advanced through the neutral zone with speed. Well, then that's what they believe is going to be the the uh, the, the keys to their success uh, in containment because. They, they concede that, that it's hard to completely shut down those two lines uh, and the weapons within those two lines completely. So basically, you're just trying to limit the damage. And, and um, Steven Stamkos, I mean, just to go a little tangential, uh, I mean, it, it defies all logic that he hasn't scored in the playoffs thus far. And, and uh, players will never admit to this. Um, and from watching him, it doesn't seem like there's a ton missing, but I suspect that perhaps uh, Steven Stamkos is hiding an injury of some sort, and I'm not saying that based on um, any um, um, uh, hard evidence or knowledge. Uh, it's just simply uh, uh, just visually um, and uh, um observing what uh what he has play what what he had what he did bring to the table in game one um and at various points through the uh, detroit series that i did get a chance to watch those games uh steven stamkos has just not looked as dangerous as he normally does but then again you take a look at detroit and uh mike babcock likes to play that olympic system you know uh, the, the system that brought team canada gold last year and uh the Canadians are a very defensive-oriented team with the with the best goalie in the world, and so uh, yeah, you, you can shut down Stamkos or limit his chances. But then when you have a, a second-line option like uh, the the triplets, it's uh, it's very hard to keep uh, the, the Lightning as a whole off the scoreboard. And we saw that with uh, you know with Kucherov and Johnson both chipping in with the with the goals in Game One.
2: Hey, John, it's Rick Stevens. Good to talk to you again. Thank
3: you, Rick. Uh, good to talk with you too.
2: Um, in Game One, uh, by the coach's description, Alex Galchenyuk had a tough night. Um, uh-huh. He had the three min- minor penalties, um, and he wasn't necessarily making very smart decisions with the puck. and, and uh, As the game went on, he got demoted to the, the fourth line. Um, prior to the start of the round two, uh, Mark Bergevan was was quoted as saying it's time uh, when speaking about Galchenyuk. Now that I've, I've seen various. Interpretations about what people think uh, Bergevan may have meant by that, whether whether he was conveying an expectation, uh, um, whether it was motivating, whether whether it was just a, an opportunity is presented uh, is being presented for for Galchenyuk. How how did you interpret uh, uh, Bergevan's comments, and and what do you think the organizational um, view of of Alex Galchenyuk is right now?
3: Well, that's that one's hard to pin down, uh, Rick. I'll start with that. Uh, with that question, like, how do they view him? Uh, well, I mean, they're not going to really admit to anything at this stage simply because this is an RFA year. And, uh, if you think back to, say, for instance, PK Subban when he was coming out of the bridge contract and before he hit the massive home run, uh, last summer, uh, any, uh, Comments that the organization was making, uh, whether it was Bergevin or Michel Therrien, uh, comments about PK Subban. They were fairly, uh, they were conservative and um, uh, uh, very uh, sparse in their praise about PK Subban until the playoffs. I mean, Michel Therrien, as far as Michel Therrien is going to praise play a player, was uh, by his standards gushing about PK's play during the playoffs, especially against the Boston Bruins in the second round series. But from Alex Galchenyuk's standpoint, like you're not going to get Um, either coach or GM uh, lobbing grenades or throwing roses uh, simply because it seems to me that especially with uh, their their prize possessions um, they they are really they don't want to put anything out there in the media that can be used for or against them when they're approaching a negotiation session and so I don't think you're going to hear a whole lot of strong statements one way or the other about Alex Galchenyuk. Now the fact that uh, that uh, that Mark Bergevin um said what he did on Wednesday to me it didn't take it too strongly simply because I think back to the beginning of the season and this really this is stuck in my head all season long when Mark Bergevin said something to the effect that this is not a boys camp like referring to his team as a, in general and uh and the the potential roles that young players might uh, might fill with the team. And he was referring to Bolia, Patteron, and Tenorti. This is not a boys' camp. That basically, it's like, well, these guys are ready, or they're not. And the team is going to make their hard decisions based on what they've observed, what they're hearing from the farm, and what they're seeing in performances on the ice. So I think he's taking the same tack with, uh, with Alex Galchenyuk, that it's like, you know what? Man up. We need you. Uh, this is a team that, uh, obviously, um, it's been beaten like a dead horse, cannot score goals or has real difficulty scoring goals. Alex Galchenyuk is by far the most gifted forward, the most creative, one of the few players who can build up speed coming through the neutral zone and genuinely back off defenses because of his scary skill set. There's nobody else on the Canadians, aside from P.K. Subban, if he's winding it up from behind his net and going end-to-end, but we've seen that they don't want him to do that except in very judicious situations. So, I think that Bergevin is sort of uh, putting... Uh, uh, he's throwing down the gauntlet uh he wants to see uh Galchenyuk step up and uh and show his potential and play uh play within the system too <laughs> you know that's sort of what drives fans crazy i know that too when uh when an offensive stallion or somebody with that potential there is asked to fit within um within a defensive system but the fact is that you know when you play um a structured um a structured defensive system Chances in transition, especially if you're a skilled offensive forward who can pass and shoot, you're going to get your chances. You're going to get your opportunities. I mean, it's like it's not shiny. Guys aren't going to be able to freelance and play outside uh, of the box uh, to the detriment of, of of not utilizing their teammates to the uh, to the highest degree. But uh, certainly, uh, yeah, there there is a, a challenge issued there in Mark Bergeman's statements and Alex Galchenyuk should take that as such. Uh, although it's interesting that uh, yesterday when uh, the media corps were asking Michel Therrien about, uh, about what message was couched within him putting uh, Galchenyuk down to the fourth line in the second period of last game, and what are his expectations, what does he hope to see? Well, he threw the card out. He played the card that we've heard him say several times this season, and even Galchenyuk has said this too, that he's 21, he's a young player, it's a process, he's learning. You know, and it's interesting that they would that they would soft pedal it like that or in in essence make an excuse because uh, P.K. Subban before the playoffs, when he was speaking to the media, said we were asking him, you know, what have you learned through your young career about the playoffs? And his answer was that the playoffs are all about do or die. It's all about winning. There's no time for teaching and learning and holding hands. It's all about winning. And so I think that Mark Bergevin is taking a little bit of that tack. Uh, Michel Terrien is kind of playing good cop with the Alex Galchenyuk situation, even though anybody with two eyes in their head could see, well, he got busted down the fourth line last game. Um, but when he's speaking publicly about it, well, he's uh, he's not throwing the kid under the bus, but it'll be interesting to see how Galchenyuk responds to this challenge. Simply because, um, from his standpoint, and Thomas Placanis said it yesterday, he believes that uh, that that Galchenyuk is probably thinking too much. You know, and when a player that has that much natural skill starts thinking too much, well, he's going to second guess himself. He he has a complex game that can become complicated, and when it becomes complicated, he becomes ineffective. And so, basically, it's just go back to an easy comfort zone, play a simple game, a straightforward game, less east-west, more north-south, and uh so we'll see what kind of uh what kind of uh, performance he puts in this evening. Presumably, he'll be starting on the second line and uh if all things go well for him, then that's where he should stay.
2: Well, you you're right. I I thought that Terrian's comment was particularly interesting about him him saying that he was only 21 years old and that's one of the reasons he got dropped. Uh but yet Galchenyuk was replaced on the second line by nineteen year old Jakob de la rose uh so <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't quite mesh uh there and and uh, you know de la rose played played a decent game um but as you said he he doesn't have the he isn't the threat um that uh that galceniak is
3: Um, Yeah, the other thing too. Sorry, Rick. I don't mean to interrupt, but the other thing too is that, and I haven't observed this specifically, but uh, uh, because I haven't watched Galchenyuk close enough in all circumstances throughout the course of the first round or that last game. But the other thing too about Terrian is that first and foremost, he demands effort. He demands commitment. And if if Galchenyuk isn't playing the old, you know, the old cliched two hundred foot game, then that could be a part of it as well because uh, the, the the one thing that, uh, that is completely within the player's control and Michelle Terrier, that's one of the priorities is, is, is uh, effort on all shifts. I mean, that's why, you know, uh, he will never, ever say a bad thing about Brendan Gallagher because you never, ever have to question his effort. It's go, 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 hard as he can, every shift back and forth, up and down the ice. And uh, so I think that maybe he's observing a little bit of, um, you know, uh, soft play. From Yelchenyuk that uh, that he doesn't like, and I mean that's what he didn't admit yesterday. But you have to believe that there is um, an effort level that could be sticking in uh, Michel Therrien's claw when it comes to this player.
2: Well, Galchenyuk spoke a lot about. Uh, he, he spoke in cliches uh, when the, the media surrounded him <laughs> yeah, about every single one, <laughs> hockey yeah. karma and bounces and breaks and bounces. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah um, and but Plakenitz, I thought his comments were interesting, uh, uh, cautioning him against uh, listening to the radio and TV and social media. Um, And because, as you said earlier, Placanit said that uh, he's thinking too much. And and I think Placanit said something about 80% of the game in the playoffs is is in your head. Um, So just from your view, is is it in his head? Um, uh, Is it it the effort level? Is it because he's not really a a north-south player? uh, What what do you think? uh, What's what's the root of, of the issue right now?
3: Well, I think that with any goal scorer, and you know what? Okay, he had 20 this season, but if you go back to his junior career, uh, this kid is a pure scorer, pure offensive talent with so many different tools in the toolbox. And when a scorer isn't scoring, that's when he starts to sabotage himself. And that's where the mental game comes in, especially with a young player and somebody who uh, apparently is as hard on himself as Alex Galchenyuk is. And the thing is that he does not reveal a lot to the to the press. So just what he is like when it's just him and his teammates is not we're not privy to that. But uh, but but, Tom, but gave us uh, a pretty a pretty uh, um, I guess a, he opened up a window for us to get some insight into exactly what makes Gelchenyak tick. And you can tell it's like this kid cares. He's, uh, he's extremely driven. He's, he's intense. He's hard on himself. And so I think really it's a classic case of, you know, a score, a guy with a lot of talent who isn't getting, uh, the results that, uh, that, that, um, that he expects of himself and that his team expects of him. And so when he starts, uh, a, when he starts second guessing or, um, being a little bit too cautious or trying something that doesn't work. Well, that's where he starts to sabotage himself. And that's where it's like, just play straight ahead. You know what? Put pucks on net. I mean, and again, Hey, we're talking cliches here too, but he has a heck of a wrist shot. Um, Put pucks on net, right? Look what happened when Max Pacioretty just lobbed that wrist shot at, uh, at Ben Bishop last game. You never know what might happen. No, like put that shot on net. If it doesn't, if something weird doesn't happen, uh, Possibly there's a rebound, right? You know, maybe there's a quick whistle, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can't score if you don't shoot, and so I think, yeah, I mean, Galchenyuk, I think the guys, especially that that are able to dangle, not shooters, like not not shooters, scores, uh, but guys that can dangle, that have really mad puck skills, like he does, tend to hold on to it too long. They look for a perfect play. They're looking for a for a, like a, an impossible pass through sticks and legs, and you know, it's like just 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 play. Just go out there and play. And uh, yeah, I mean definitely it requires a certain level of commitment. You're going to have to fight through a whole lot of abuse and uh, uh, obstacles that aren't there during the regular season like they are in the playoffs. And that's where the mental game comes in because you have to steal yourself, and that he hasn't quite gotten to that point yet, where the mental toughness is kicked in, and that he uh, that he's able to, uh, to to deal with all those uh, those obstacles that are not just the physical ends of it, like playing every second night and the fatigue that comes in with the elevated level of play. So, uh, yeah, it, it's not going to come overnight, but I would have to think that for a, for a for a kid that cares as much as he does, like Alex does, the way that things have gone. This week, uh not just the last game, but all the uh the, the, the dialogue that's ensued because of what happened in the second period of game one and the penalties too, let's face it. You know, like whether they say that the, the Phil Pula call was a dive or justified or not. Fact hmm. is is he was tagged for he was in the box for six minutes and he's lucky that they killed everything, right? But uh yeah, so <laughs> there's a whole lot of almost everything that could go wrong with him that game did. Yeah so from his standpoint it's like well you know what things can only get better right so that's a really uh, he'll be a really interesting player to watch this evening more nights than most i would think
1: all right thank you very much for your insight john we really do appreciate it and we'll be watching for your reports on uh, sports centers throughout the Canadian player front okay thanks a lot guys again thanks for having me on no thank, you. thank you very much john So that was John Liu from TSN. You can follow him on Twitter at John Liu, TSN, MTL. Joining us, we're gonna uh, we're gonna continue the Montreal Canadiens uh, discussion in a couple of moments. Uh, but first, Rick, there's a couple of uh, All Habs events coming up. Uh, why don't you tell us about them? Gladly. Um,
2: first of all, next Saturday, May 9th, uh, in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Beautiful Winnipeg, Manitoba, in the Osborne Village at uh, Jekyll and Hyde's uh, bar. We're having a one of our All Habs um, uh, hockey parties, so, uh, a watch event. So any um, Habs fans, let's let's say any hockey fans in the Winnipeg area. And we know from watching the the uh, their series against Anaheim that they're rabid, passionate fans in in Winnipeg. Come out to Jekyll and Hyde's next Saturday for Game 5, uh, Tampa Bay. And the Canadians, uh, we're going to have all kinds of uh, uh, food and drink specials. We'll have uh, reserved seats for you. Um, We'll have a chance to uh, win some prizes. And uh, just come out and uh, you'll find our, our event uh, listed on uh, our Facebook page, uh, the All Habs fan page on Facebook. Uh, just put your RSVP on there, or or get us on um, on Twitter, All underscore Habs. Let us know you're coming. Uh, we've heard from people uh, as far away as Grand Forks, North Dakota, that they're going to make the drive for the trip. Should be fun. Uh, chance to meet your fellow hockey fans, not only on Twitter or, or Facebook, but in person. And uh, it's always a great time. Uh, One of the prizes that you'll have a chance to win there are uh, draft tickets. Once again, this year um, we have partnered with the NHL and uh, they have provided us with uh, a section of VIP tickets for the NHL draft uh, that's going to take place on the 26th and 27th of June in Sunrise, Florida. Uh, last year in Philadelphia, we had a, a group of 50 uh, Habs fans that came from all over, uh, and we we uh, uh, got them and and uh, came to to Philadelphia, and we had a terrific time. People got to meet all everyone in hockey. We were sitting amongst the the draft families, um, and it was just an amazing time. So. Watch for us uh, on Twitter. Um, we'll be having some contests for you to win those tickets uh, and on uh, Facebook as well, and we hope you can, enjoy, you can join us at the end of June in Florida uh, for the
1: All-Habs um, and the NHL entry draft. All right. Thank you very much for the information, uh, Rick. We're going to take a break. On the other side, we'll be going to your uh, tweets, our question of the day. Habs have scored six goals In the last five games, if you were the coach, what would you do to generate offense for the Montreal Canadiens? So we'll do that. And we're also going to be joined by Brian from the all Habs team. And well, we're going to have a virtual roundtable on the round two series between the Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is the Habs 360 podcast featuring on allhabs.net.
2: For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to AllHabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's AllHabs.net.
1: If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, search Habs360 on AllHabs.net or on iTunes for the archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you.
0: If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information about this unique marketing opportunity.
1: Hi. Hi. I'm Chris G. The Habs 360 podcast and Anthony from Art2Canvas.com are pleased to announce the Habs contest will run during every Habs game in the playoffs. I will give you an opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of Art2Canvas.com. Follow Habs 360 and HAPS Happy on Twitter for more details and for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit Art2Canvas.com. Good luck.
2: Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. The RSM mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its teams, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com.
0: This is the Habs Three Sixty Podcast, featured on All dot net.
1: All right, welcome back to the Habs Three Sixty Podcast here on All I'm Christy at Christie nineteen eighty along with Rick Stevens at all underscore habs. And while joining us now on on the line to help us with this We'll call it a virtual roundtable to talk about this series between the Montreal Canadiens and the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's the commissioner of fantasy sports for net. Twitter handle is at bz05. Brian, thanks for joining us. Nice to be with you. And, well, Brian, I'll start off with you, and I teased it to our listeners at the top of the podcast on allhabs.net. Uh, you did announce. That uh, you you predicted Tampa Bay to win the series in uh, six games. Uh, did you see anything in game number one that uh, you know made you change your mind about that? Well, I saw some hope early on in the uh, in
6: game one, but uh, in in general, my my feeling still is that uh, the Habs will uh, unfortunately lose uh, lose in six games. Um, I feel. I feel right off the bat if we're looking at the top top 6 lines matched up against each other um I'm I'm made no secret of it that I'm I'm no fan of number 51 um I I see him as, as somewhat of a liability um and, and right there uh, I, uh, I just don't see uh see a lot of offense especially in the last four games I think we've uh, or the Habs have scored uh, a goal a game and
1: that's just not going to get it done uh, against a team like Tampa Bay and we're going to play uh, a game, it's Rick's favorite game where I give him 15 seconds to, uh, to answer a question <laughs> and well we'll start with you Rick it's going to be a fill in the blank and the time is going to start as soon as I'm done reading uh, the statement so Rick have I hate a the win- game so much Habs <laughs> uh, will win the series if blank if they start scoring
2: um I mean we can say if Carey Price steals the series but we know he's going to do that we know he's going to uh be there but but as Brian said it's a goal a game and the Canadians uh, Michelle Terrian's, uh model is that that you have to score three three goals to uh to to win and they haven't even been remotely close to that. They have to score goals.
1: All right, so we gave Rick a generous 15 seconds. <laughs> Brian? Sorry. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> right, don't worry about it. Brian, on the clock, same question.
6: Well, they need to start getting pucks to the net. And uh, what I found uh, during the course of Game 1 is that, uh, in, in general, if you compare Tampa Bay's zone entries to Montreal's zone, zone entries, uh, Tampa Bay's, in, in general, they seem to be creating a dangerous chance of every zone entry or, or, or most of them, especially in the overtime. And I felt it was just a matter of time before they were going to cash in. And, uh, and I'm just finding that the Canadians are, are not getting enough pucks to the net. I know they outshot them, uh, Tampa Bay last game, but, uh, uh, I, I think they need to get pucks to the net. There was a sequence in which, uh, 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 Subban, um, didn't go for the safe play, didn't try to get the puck to the net. Um, and, and I, I almost could see a, a resulting uh, chance the other way, uh, in Nashville. And I know I'm way over 15 seconds here, but uh, uh, <laughs> they, they need to get pucks to the net. That's that's in a nutshell.
5: You know what? Um, the only thing that you could ask as a coach and uh, try to generate scoring chances, and we we we, we generate a lot of scoring chances last night, and uh, that's all you could ask. And this is a, and you have to work really hard to get scoring chances, and you got to stick to the plan. And this is what the guys did.
1: Yeah. Uh, on mine, I think the key to the Canadians to win the series as well, like uh, like Rick mentioned, is you gotta score some goals. One goal a game won't uh, cut it out, and we, it's the same question that we asked as well to our listeners and our followers on Twitter at #Habs360. And we did get some responses, and if we just go through a couple of them uh Rictorious on Twitter writes get PK to bomb shots as much as possible, blocking players drop like flies, spread out, stop crashing the net, make opposition crash oh, no sorry, make opposition's chase causes mistakes in the uh, coverage. So thank you very much for the tweet uh, Rictorious. And next tweet comes from um, Montreal Ian and he writes Ellers Patches, Galchenyuk, or Gallagher first line? So, Brian, I think uh, what he's asking is he wants the egg line to be uh, reunited. Uh, what do you think about that? Because that's probably one of the line combinations that's never been tried by the coach this season. Do you think uh, it should it should be something that uh, Therrien should consider?
6: I, I would say that would be... Uh something they should be trying. I think Lars Eller has proven um, in the playoffs that, uh, and the last part of the season that he uh, he deserves uh, more responsibility, especially on the uh, the offensive side of the game. He's winning face-offs, um, he's winning puck battles, and uh, maybe this could be uh, something that could get uh, Galchenyuk going as well.
1: The next tweet comes from uh, Tim, Tim Canadian. Who is from Waterloo, Ontario? He writes, They've got to shoot from everywhere in the slot or from an angle. Take it. You just never know what's going to happen. Hashtag C-Max's goal. You've got to stop looking for the highlight, real goal, and start playing desperation hockey when it comes to shooting the puck. There has to be traffic in front of the net, regardless of how tall Bishop is. If he can't see it, he's not going to stop it. And Rick, hear what Tim writes. I sort of agree. I think the Canadians. Uh, need to keep it simple and just start shooting on goal and causing some traffic in front, or else they're never going to score. Yeah, they they really need to, to, as
2: Brian said, get pucks to the net, and they really need traffic in front of Bishop. However, they have to get the right people there. They have to. Um, we, we saw last game um, on the power play, uh, David Dernay, um who usually parks himself, uh, to the side of the net. I guess he's got the message and uh I saw him uh, go to the net, uh, go to the, the front of the net um to try to set a screen um on Ben Bishop. Uh but Andre Schuster, uh, the defenseman who's six eight, just simply stepped around uh D'Arnais and kind of almost ignored him. Um Darnay wasn't bothering Bishop um, you know, he wasn't tying up Schuster. So he was kind of just there um, and not, not causing any problems at all. So you've got to get the right people to the to the net. You've got to give them the ice time to do that. And, you know, um, we don't want to pick on David D'Arnais, but he was a a, a team worse minus 17 on the Corsi differential last game. And yet he still was over 20 minutes of ice time. He was still uh, centering that second line um and and you know he has for a uh you know what what is called a first line center uh, although he's been playing the second line center he's got two assists that's the same as Greg Patteron um in the playoffs so um you got you got to get the right people out there part of this uh you know part of this rests with the players they have to go to the net they have to bring pucks to the net um they have to drive the play to the net uh but it also uh, is is the
1: responsibility of the coach to get the right personnel out there. And uh, Brian, on Twitter, we got a couple of uh, solutions for the power play. Uh, me and Rick have been trying for the past two weeks to figure something out, and we've been unsuccessful. Seems the Canadians are one for the last, I don't know, like a 1,000 power play opportunities. Uh, first, Michael Hopkins from uh, Thunder Bay. He, his power play unit would be up front, Subban, Plekanec, Pachoretti with Petri and Markov at the point. Uh, there's also the Zeman, big ZZ on Twitter, who also suggests play Subban as a forward on uh, the power play. And we have Bobby at the Montreal Design, who who writes to us: Eggline has to be re- reunited, and Eller must be on the first wave of the power play only guy that can carry the puck with uh, speed into zone so brian what would be your solution for uh, for the power play uh more movement um
6: it, it just seems yeah. to me that you have the uh the, the player with the puck is uh is is looking for um and, and everyone's playing for for the puck to come back to Suban but uh, uh what i see is uh, is is the rest of the players are are virtually still and there's not much rotation and uh so i i, I think that is, is something they've uh, they've got to be working on get some movement um uh going i'm not i'm not sure i would uh i would take i'm not sure if one of the the uh uh tweets said to take Suban off the point uh, I'm not sure if I heard that, but uh I, I wouldn't do that, but uh, I would definitely see uh work on having much more movement, much more rotation and uh and I, and get the pucks to the net. Uh get in um Bishop's kitchen. Uh he is uh he's known to be um to have a little bit of a short fuse and uh if, if they can get him to lose his focus that way I, I think that's uh another recipe for, for success.
1: And uh, the last tweet comes in from Dude, who is extremely confident that the Canadians will lose against the Tampa Bay Lightning, unless Bergervain somehow replaces Terrier with Babcock in the next hour or two. So I don't think that's happening. <laughs> so thank you very much for the tweet, Dude. And uh, Brian, one last question here. Uh, over the last, I'll say what, the ticket's been over 10 days. We PK Subban was announced as a nominee for the Norris Trophy and Kerry Price was named a nominee for the Hart Trophy and the Vezina. Uh, what do you think are the chances that uh, these guys win their respective awards? Oh, I
6: think Kerry uh, Price is uh he deserves it uh, wholeheartedly. Um P. K. is a little bit of a surprise to me, but uh I uh, I I think if we're looking out of those 3 that were nominated for uh for the Norris uh uh I would say it's it it could be uh it, PK does have a chance. Uh I think uh, Carlson um played a role in getting uh, getting the team to uh, to the playoffs. Um I think uh, uh Doughty may not get the nod. They did not make the playoffs and I think that is something that the uh the voters look at.
2: Rick Yeah. My, my Choices? Um I, I think Kerry Price no doubt gets uh, the Vesna in the heart. Uh I, I agree with Brian in that um I was surprised at Subban's nomination. Um he certainly has, has improved his play, but he, he had a really tough start to the season uh for an extended period of time. And you know, uh, halfway through the season um it looked like it was gonna be Weber, it looks like it was gonna be Giordano until his injury. Shattenkirk. Um, Shattenkirk, exactly. Um and uh so I think I think Carlson takes this one. Uh I agree too. Uh, uh Doughty uh, just didn't have the uh the season to to uh bring his team to the playoffs. So um you know, congratulations to PK. I don't think I don't think it's gonna happen, but um uh we'll
1: we'll see. Well We'll, we'll see. We'll find out during uh, the off-season right after the Stanley Cup Finals. So it should be sometime in, uh, I think it's in late June where the awards get handed out. Uh, Brian, thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Thank you for having me. No problem. So that was uh, Brian from allhabs.net. Twitter handle is at BZ05. He's the Commissioner of uh, Fantasy Sports on uh, allhabs.net. Uh, Reminder that game number two of the series is tonight, 6 p.m. starts at uh, the Bell Center, so it is a special time for a puck drop, that, and uh, make sure you mark that accordingly in your uh, calendars. Game number three and four, back-to-back nights, game number three on Wednesday, game number four on uh, Thursday. Both games are 7 o'clock starts. and well, in the playoffs, All games can be seen coast-to-coast on the CBC in English and on the TVA Sports in French. Coming up next week, well, we'll be back to our regular time slot. The time may change for next week, so make sure you follow HAPS 360 for a confirmation of the date and time of our next episodes. And, well, we'll either be doing a postmortem a look ahead to the Canadians in the conference final well, no actually that can happen, or we'll be previewing game five at uh, the bell center Rick uh, seven days from now, what situation do you think the series will be at well let's let's hope that uh it's going to be a
2: close long series um like Brian, I picked uh the lightning in six games um but but you know i, I uh the the Twitter person by the name of Dude, I think he said uh, basically said the Canadians didn't have a chance. Let's say that the Canadians' fan base still has firm belief in the Canadians. If you look on our poll on allhaps.net, who will win the the Canadians' Lightning second-round series? um, Just tally up the numbers. Seventy percent still feel that the Canadians will win the series, either in five games, six games, or seven games. So the fan base is still uh firmly behind them and uh uh I, I think we'll be talking about uh a game five uh next saturday when when we convene again
1: yeah i agree i definitely think uh, by it won't be a sweep for uh for Tampa Bay so we'll definitely be previewing game number five that'll be taking place at the bell center uh seven days uh, sorry six days or a sunday today here on uh hab three sixty Rick thank you very much for joining us once again
2: it's always great to join you
1: uh, thank you very much as well to uh, John Liu from TSN who joined us earlier in uh, the podcast and as well thank you to uh, Brian Commissioner of Fantasy Sports on uh, allhabs.net who joined us for our virtual roundtable, thank you to everybody for listening thank you to everybody who sent us uh, their tweets at Hab360 my name is Chris G at ChrisG1980 enjoy tonight's game at 6 o'clock Eastern start Hopefully the Canadians will score first goal of the game. Something that we've been able to do almost the entire playoffs. See you next week.
0: For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.